0: Good afternoon, everyone. So once again, the Bible reading today will be Matthew 19, 13 to 30. I hope everyone that wants to follow can either follow on the screen or see it by themselves. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much as and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be lost and many who are lost will be first.
1: Uh, let us pray before Andes comes up to preach. And uh, I think it will be good since we read here that we will also pray for the children who are up there. In the Sunday school. Let us pray. (laughs) Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for um, your word. Thank you for your um, great power to save. Uh, As we read and hear from from this uh, text, uh, we pray, Lord, that you speak to us in our hearts. Uh, We pray that you bless Andes as well. Um, uh, Help him to be faithful to the text, to be clear and precise in his handling of the word. And Lord, we also pray for our children who are uh, in Sunday school and for the teachers there. Um, help them to handle them, to teach them who you are uh, and what you have done uh, for your people. Um, prepare our hearts and uh, help us to be fruitful. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very
2: much, Jedi, for praying for us. And thank you, Magdalena, for uh, reading the Bible so clearly. Uh Yes, may I add my welcome to that of Jeddy's this morning. It is great to see you all on this spring, sunny spring day, finally. Um, if you're visiting with us or a, a guest, um, a particular welcome to you and listening, and, listen and Dinis will tell later how you can connect to the, the midweek life here at Grace International. But as Jeddy already set it up, uh, today we are going to be thinking about membership in the kingdom of God. If there is a thing, such a thing as kingdom membership, how do I get it? What is the basis on which I become a member of the kingdom of God? I don't don't know whether you are a member of any club or any society uh, in your university or maybe in your school, if you're still in school. Now, how did you get in? How did you get in? I read this week about this super-exclusive club called the Giga Society. There are only six members worldwide. Six. The membership is not limited by money, Background, or a cap on the mem- uh, number of members that are allowed in. Yet, as um, as of right now, there are only six members. Well, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe seven. I haven't checked the latest news. Because um, so so two are in the United States and four are in Europe. Now, why why so few? According to their um, own website, this. This means, in theory, one in a billion individuals can qualify. To do so, you have to score more than a 195 points on one of their accepted IQ tests. Now, I was thinking, just in case, is, is anyone here a member of this society secretly? Anyone? Just confess, Giga Society, one of six members worldwide... No, well, it's a shame. We we would uh, need some help with website building or something. I don't know. Uh, nevertheless, you know, we might hold some um, some other memberships. You know, like gym memberships or uni society memberships or some I don't know social social media group memberships. Now, what are the basis for the kind of normal memberships around? Well, it usually are that you know they're simple but effective things like money like status like connections and so on frankly that is how the world works if you have enough money you can become if you know the right people you can become a member if you qualify some kind of intellectual uh, in, in in some kind of intellectual capacity you can become a member that's how the world works But what about the heavenly kingdom and membership there? Already in the early chapters of Matthew, Jesus presented the kingdom manifesto. There is such a thing as heavenly kingdom membership, and there are certain standards for it. You can read more about that in the Sermon of the Mount in chapter 5. Now, uh, how about meeting those various standards? How do I know I qualify for God's kingdom? Well, Matthew offers us two candidates today he offers us children and the rich man. It is a deliberate contrast because the answer seems so evident. Children do not qualify for kingdom membership, but the rich man, to him all doors should be open. But hey, Jesus, Jesus has a few surprises for us today. He turns things on its head, upside down. The heavenly kingdom membership, Jesus says, works differently. So, let's look at those two candidates today, and then we'll, we'll also think about where it leaves all of us, most of us, today. So, firstly, we see children, children that normally in that society wouldn't qualify. But Jesus says children qualify for God's kingdom. Now, what, what do we see? We see how people were bringing little children from verse 13, to Jesus they wanted Jesus to place his hands on them and pray for them and that's what Jesus does in verse 15 we don't read that Jesus prays for them but we assume that Jesus does it of course but in between Jesus teaches a lesson about the kingdom membership to his protective disciples Well, after all, Jesus is instructing the crowd here on a a very important subject, Uh, you know, marriage and divorce. And here are these two-year-old toddlers toddling towards Jesus. You know, we, we can imagine the disciples looking at these guys and say, look at their little dirty hands. And so they rebuke the parents. Now, Jesus not only orders a safe pass for the children, but also says something completely shocking. The reason children are welcome to come to me, look at verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Well, these children might be too young to receive instruction from Jesus, but they're definitely not too young to receive benefits by prayer. And so Jesus lays his hands on them and prays. But that just begs uh, the question, right? What is it about children that makes them model members of the kingdom of heaven. What is it? And I think we can all agree on one thing, that that's not their innocence, their sinlessness. It is definitely not it. You know how often parents end up disagreeing on various things about parenting you know on the methods of parenting etc etc but i don't think there is any disagreement on the original sin it's it's evident it's evident in the little angels lives now a man a man once told me about his 3 year old niece who put a screwdriver through a 75-inch family TV. (laughs) But here the reason. Why? Why did she do that? It's a very good question. Turns out she was triggered by the cartoon character, Maya the Bee. Now, out of all the, the cartoon characters, you know, like SpongeBob or some of the nasty ones, it was Maya the Bee. Well, it's not the children's innocence. Here are the the words of our Creator God about the state of every human heart, and that is after the flood. Listen in Genesis 8. Every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. This, This is God saying His verdict. Well, if that is not the children's innocence, what then makes Jesus save us? 14 For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And I think that is children's helplessness and dependence. Children don't try to offer God anything. You know, ev- everyone there in our chapter, they have an agenda for Jesus. The crowds in verse 1 in chapter 19, they were following Jesus because they were seeking healing. Pharisees in verse 3, they came to Jesus to test him, to trap him. The, the parents were bringing their children to Jesus for the blessing, for the, you know, for the benefit. The disciples were busy with face control and policing. They, too, had an agenda. The only ones who were, you know, staring at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the brightness of his, you know, Father's glory without any agenda were the children. Children don't try to offer God anything. Well, in the disciples' eyes, their helplessness and total dependence on others excluded them from the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. But according to Jesus, kingdom membership works the other way around. The children are included precisely because of their helplessness and dependence They bring nothing in their little, dirty hands. No bribe, no buying money, no other membership benefits with them. Nothing. Well, just think if that would be the case. Just think how extraordinary the following situation would look like. You know, mom in the morning calls, um, you know, the little Johnny for breakfast. The oatmeal and the toast is ready for them. Little Johnny comes and takes his seat at the table, looks at the wonderful breakfast. But before eating it, and even before saying grace, little Johnny reaches into his pocket and takes a one-euro coin puts it on a table and says, your mom, this is for the breakfast. Have you ever seen anything like that? Like, in all seriousness? You know, they might be joking, but in all seriousness, no. No. That is not just how family membership works. And that is not how kingdom membership works. What is it about children that makes Jesus say, For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. It is not their innocence, but their dependence. Well, let me draw out a couple of implications for us, probably for us as parents, but also for us, I think, as church. If if that is true, what Jesus says, and we should probably bet all of it, that it's true. It follows that it doesn't mean we allow our children to do whatever they want here and now. now. Christian parents in the 21st century face different challenge, I think, from those in the first century. In our age, a child is at the center of everything. Everything is child-led, child-led eating, child-led sleeping, child-led screen time. And so the story goes, because from infancy, a child is able to make, you know, naturally good decisions. That's the assumption. And I think Christian parents are, you know, pressured, really pressured to believe that that the lies that say saying no to their children will traumatize them. These are lies. Hence the danger of child-centered, limitless parenting. You know, parents, our children need healthy discipline. Our children really need uh, healthy boundaries. Why because they need to know the reality they need to know their safe place in their families their safe place in the church and also in society. Now, how jokingly this Tuesday in our preaching group um, we were looking at these verses and and someone asked, well does that does that mean so you know let, letting Children to God. Does that mean that that letting children come to Jesus, you know, that means we we let all our children kind of running around the church, particularly in a sermon, climbing on the stage, etc., etc. Is is that is that what Jesus is saying? You know, let the children to Jesus. And of course, we you know laughed a bit and we agreed that that's not what Jesus means. It can't be true, right? Because if that would happen, then no one would come to Jesus. Children definitely wouldn't come to Jesus. They were busy with other things. Parents couldn't come to Jesus because they were busy you know, containing their children. Adult congregation can't come to Jesus. Listen to his words because they're distracted, etc., etc., So, what does it mean to let the children to Jesus? I think that's important. I think it means we bring our children up in the Lord, praying for them, praying with them, teaching them the way of faith. You know, we do that both at home and we do that in church. It is a huge blessing to grow up knowing God from your infancy. It is a huge privilege and responsibility to teach our children about Jesus. That they can talk to him any moment. That he loves them and listens to them all the time. That he is present with them in every single moment of their daily lives. And that a help is always there at the right time. So that, that's what I think means to let the children come to Jesus. Let the children come to me, Jesus says. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. What a surprise. What a surprise. The unlikely kingdom candidates, children, they get elevated to the top of the list. Qualified, Jesus says. But that's not the only surprise Jesus has up the sleeve in chapter 19. From verse 16, we see a man who would be regarded at the top of the list, but who ends up off the list altogether, disqualified from kingdom. So here's the second point, rich man, sadly, disqualified from kingdom. But let's not rush ahead of ourselves. Um, let's, let's see what, how, how Matthew sort of unravels it. In verse 16, Matthew introduces to us a perfect kingdom candidate. He's, um, um, his portrait and res- r- resume is impressive. It's very impressive. You know, look at 16 and then 20, we see a man, we see a young man who already managed to achieve a lot in his life. Because verse 22, he has a great wealth. We see the rich young man. But we see him differently from how the Jews in the first century would see him. I don't know about your cultures, guys, where you've come from. At least in Latvia, if you see a really rich person, then he must be a corrupt thief. That's a default assumption. Because our reasoning, inherited from the Soviet times, is that no one is supposed to have a lot of money. No one. If someone has it, he's a corrupt thief. But not the case, not the case in the first century Judaism. The rich young man would be seen as a a blessed person, favored by God. If he has great wealth, that means that he has obeyed the commandments of God. Indeed, his wealth doesn't come from murdering anyone or from stealing from anyone. Quite the opposite. Now, how do we know that? I think from verses 16 to 20, we see that. We get an impression that the rich young man is a God-fearing person, God-obeying and devout family man. You know, he is not a secular materialist. He doesn't wake up or go to bed with only one thing in his mind, and that is how to earn more money. That's not the case at all. In addition, he's not like the Pharisees too. He doesn't come to Jesus to trap him, to test him. No, he's sincere. We see he's humble despite his status, despite his wealth. He acknowledges that he, he doesn't get eternal life. Verse 16, he doesn't. In other words, the rich young man is a perfect kingdom candidate. On the first appearance, I have seen such men turning up in church in my life. You know, these these guys, maybe you know, women. They seem totally sorted. You know, they seem well established, they seem moral, successful at what they do. Everything they touch kind of, you know, turns not to gold maybe, but it just they just do it. You know, when they profess to be Christians, they are made poster boys. They get offered, you know, the first seats uh, in the church. Well, not happening at Grace Church, as you see mostly. No one wants to see, um, sit there. But they, they get turned quickly into the church's success story. they ask asked to give testimonies on men's breakfast, you know, and very many other many others events. And their testimony often goes like this. I lived a good life. I had a good job. I had good income, you know, friendships, but I felt a hole in my heart. There was something lacking, and it was Jesus. Now I have good job, good income, and I have Jesus. I bet we all know one or two, maybe, such people. They are living, you know, a really good, a moral, upright life. They are model husbands, they are model wives, they give to charity and support various causes. They are friendly and kind to those less privileged and many other things. And you think to yourself, as you look at them, they are actually living a much better life than I do. And you know what? It may well be true. There are a lot of kind, friendly and decent people who are not Christian out there. But here is the mistake we make as we ponder on these things. And this is the mistake that both the rich young man and the disciples made. You know what we sometimes say in those situations? This man or woman lacks just one thing. They need to become Christian. In other words, they need to add Jesus to their already good life. But friends, Jesus is not an add-on, you know, that enhances one's life with more color, opportunities, or fulfillment. Jesus is the risen King of kings, who sits on his glorious throne and reigns on high, before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, worthy of power, majesty, strength, honor, glory. You know, maybe it is someone here today. You know you, you live a decent life, but you feel that there is something missing in your life. Don't make a mistake of thinking that adding Jesus to your life will solve it. You might, you might add plastic Jesus, but that's a plastic Jesus, a toy figure. You don't add the Jesus of the Bible to your life. That is not how it works. You know, Jesus think is not the one good work you must do to get to heaven. Those are lies. Coming to the Sunday service occasionally will not save you, no. Neither, neither occasionally doing something noble will save you. So bin your plastic Jesus, throw it in a rubbish bin together with your coffee mug, If that's you, instead, instead, submit your life to the reign of the Jesus of the Bible, the King of kings, the risen Lord of lords. You see, the rich young man thought he needed to add one more thing. And that made him an unlikely candidate of the kingdom. Again, remember the children. They carried nothing in their little dirty hands. They didn't try to offer God anything. But the rich young man is exactly the opposite. Verse 16, teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And when Jesus kindly gives him a list of commandments in verse 18, the rich young man says, yes, 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 all of these I have kept. And here is the punchline. What do I still lack? What do I still lack? Jesus, you know how good I am already. Tell me, what is the one thing I need to do? to get kingdom membership and Jesus plays along verse 21 if you want to be perfect go sell all your possessions give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come and follow me I don't know whether you um, have questions about this statement of Jesus But here is the question, would the young man actually receive the kingdom pass if he would sell everything that he has and would give it to the poor? Is Jesus basically saying, young man, well, there is actually one thing you can do to get kingdom membership, to get eternal life. And here it is. Is that the case? Well, no, it isn't. I think the young man's reaction, then Jesus's illustration, and the disciples' astonishment confirms that. You see how the rich young man went away sad? He didn't go away offended or kind of, you know, I'm offended, Jesus. He went away sad. Not because he didn't want to get eternal life. He wanted but because he realized that he cannot get it. Why, did he, why, why couldn't he? Because he loved money more than God. And then Jesus' illustration. Jesus illustrates the very same point with the largest possible animal and the smallest possible item, which has a hole in it, the needle. You know this, the story, right? Right? It is easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for the rich person to get in heaven. Well, is Jesus saying here that it is actually kind of theoretically possible? Some say some say that Jesus is not saying that it is impossible. There are even some, some people who say well you know kind of there is this little gate in the wall somewhere in the Jerusalem wall that is called the eye of the needle and if the camel kind of gets get rid of the, of this kind of load on his back and gets on his knees then he kind of gets through this this hole this gate called eye of the needle kind of you just need to be uh, you know sort of i don't know humble enough or whatever but there is no evidence Either of this kind of gate or in the Bible that supports the claim. I love how one pastor put it, it's probably kind of the taxi driver in Jerusalem inventing this myth so that he could get more money taking people around looking for this eye of the needle or something, which is probably true. So Jesus' illustration is not about, it is kind of theoretically possible. Jesus highlights. With the biggest animal and the smallest item, it is completely impossible to make your way into heaven with good deeds. And here's the punchline, verse 26. Jesus' reply to the disciples is um, astonishment, because they say, who can be saved then? And here's how Jesus responds, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus settles the matter. Well, the whole whole point of Jesus' dialogue with the rich young man, our perfect kingdom candidate, and the disciples, is this. Good people don't go to heaven, but the forgiven people go to heaven. I think that is what the disciples are puzzled over when their leader, Peter, raises the question in verse 27. He says, well, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Well, if I may put it like this, the default question is, All of these guys have is, if even this rich young man, this perfect kingdom candidate, had no chance, what chance is there for us to be saved? That's the real question. And look carefully how Jesus answers them. Jesus first points to where he will be, verse 28. Look at 28. Truly I tell you, At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, look at Jesus first, focus your eyes on Jesus first. And Jesus then says, you who have obeyed me perfectly will also sit on the twelve thrones. Except that Jesus doesn't say it, right? He doesn't say you who obeyed me perfectly. Instead, he says, You who have followed me. Yes, following Jesus will involve self denial. It will, it will involve saying no to those many temptations in our lives, living in this world, and doing many other countercultural things. It is all true. We must do all of those things, but that does not earn us eternal life. If you want to earn kingdom membership by living a good life, you will be disqualified. If you want to get eternal life and kingdom membership, Jesus says, seek the one who alone is good. Verse 17 see God and follow the King Jesus Jesus went through the gates of hell that did not prevail over him he conquered death by dying as our ransom and was raised for our justification that is our kingdom membership, that is the only basis for our hope in eternal life we get kingdom membership only by holding out our childlike empty, dirty hands and receiving forgiveness for our sins of wanting to be the saviors of our own life let me close again with verses 25-26 and they will pray shortly. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, "Who then can be saved?" Jesus looked at them and said, "With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible." Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, please, please do remind us today of the grace that we all need so badly. Thank you for the little children and your illustration to the, the model kingdom members. Those little ones do not offer you anything, they can't offer you anything. And Father, as we look at them, please do remind us, as in that song, that nothing, nothing in our hand we bring, simply to your cross we cling. Father, please do guard us against the presumptuous sins of the rich young man, thinking that we need this one good deed, this one redemptive act that will earn our and secure our place in heaven. Please guard us against this. And instead, please help us focus our sight on you, the risen King of kings, the Lord of lords, the suffering servant who died on our behalf, ransomed our sins, and enable us, please, to follow you, Follow you through this life faithfully to eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.